0: Thanks again, Praise Team. The Lord our God. Well, here we are, beginning our 40 days of prayer. Amen? This is going to be an awesome time. I am really looking forward to this. You know, when I was preparing for this message, I came across an interesting statistic. It's uh, the number one reason why people are afraid to be asked to pray. so, So catch this. The number one reason why people are afraid to be asked to pray is that they are afraid they will not pray eloquently enough. Now how many of you, now you don't have to raise your hand, but in your minds would think, yep, that's true. Right? When, when it comes time to pray and maybe you're in a circle or, or you're eating dinner with some Christian friends and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I want to pray because I'm afraid that I can't pray eloquently enough. Well, I find it very interesting in Scripture, Jesus recognized that even his disciples struggled with prayer. I think if we're honest, I think that we would say maybe we're not as close to Jesus as some of the disciples, right? And yet, we, we struggle with prayer, and hey, they struggled with prayer too, and Jesus recognized that, and so he actually gave them a crash course on prayer. And so that's what I'd like to do today is, is talk about this crash course on prayer. I'm going to call it Prayer 101, all right? Prayer 101, and uh, so let's, uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at what uh, this prayer 101 is for them. Now, in, in this prayer 101 crash course that he gave them, he first told them what they were doing wrong, and then he told them what they're doing right. So if you're following along in the notes that came in the bulletin, there are two things that, that, uh, that we're not to do when we're praying, and then seven quick things that we'll go through of what to do when we are praying. See, the disciples the, the grew up in a culture where, where prayer was pretty common all around them, um, but not necessarily a positive thing. When you look at, at the prayer that was going on all around them, there were a lot of uh, ideas of prayer uh, that were just outright wrong. The word prayer itself had multiple connotations, and most of those were wrong. And I would actually compare that to our culture as well, if we would say that the number one reason... We are afraid to be asked to pray is because we can't pray eloquently enough. I think we have some wrong ideas about prayer as well. And so I think there's a lot to learn from this. So let's look at, the, at this 40 days of, of prayer introduction here. Prayer 101. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse 5. This is what we read. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites... For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. It's interesting. He begins with how not to pray. So he's telling: this is how you are not to pray. Don't pray like this, as he says in verse in verse five. And uh, so, number one, I would say this: don't pray for public attention don't pray for public attention. Now let me clarify what I'm saying there. I'm not saying don't pray for receiving public attention, but I mean don't pray so that you can receive public attention. This idea of praying like the hypocrites, where they would stand in, in prominent places, they would go to places where people could see them, they wanted to make sure they're being seen when they pray, and they would pray in, the, in this public forum so that they could receive the praise of men. Like, wow, that person sure knows how to pray. And, and Jesus said, saying, don't Pray like that. It's interesting even the word that he use here, uses here is the word hypocrites. Uh, the literal definition of the word hypocrite is a pretender. Saying, Don't be like the pretenders. What is a pretender? It's someone who's acting like they're one thing and they're not. In fact, you know what they use this word for most commonly in, in, in this time period? They usually use this word to mean actor. An actor. So believe it or not, they had plays, right? They, they may not have had TV or movie theaters or anything like that, but there were plays and people would go to these plays and, and the actors were called hypocrites. I, I think that's a lot like today, don't you think? We could call them, many of the actors hypocrites today. But when you stop and think about it, um, when you look at an actor, what does an actor do? An actor pretends to be somebody that they're not. I think it's kind of interesting when you look at our culture, too, how so many of those actors start to feel the pride as if they were the people they were acting to be, right? And, but I'll tell you what, Tom Cruise is not a great fighter pilot, right? It's just not the way things work, right? He's just a pretender. And yet you go, and, and if you watch some of the, the, the things, it's one of the most proud uh, uh, environments you could be in when you, when you get a bunch of actors coming together to, to give awards to each other for their ability to pretend, to be important people. And uh, and I say that um, just because in reality, that a hypocrite should not be something that's put high on the totem pole. Like, wow, how good at pretending you're, you, uh, at, at being something you are. But guess what? There are a lot of people pretending to pray. They, they go to the places where people will listen and they can pray eloquently, but they're praying eloquently not because they're speaking to God, their creator. They're praying eloquently because they want to the people around them to think, wow, what a great prayer that person is. I want to be like that prayer. But let me ask you a couple questions. Do you see how hypocritical it is to pretend to be praying to God? Think about that. How hypocritical it is to pretend to be praying to God when in reality, you're just praying to get the attention of the people around you. That That is hypocritical. You also see how insulting it is How insulting it is to pray to a crowd of people when we claim to be talking to the creator of the universe. How insulting that would be to God. Do you think God knows if you're praying to him or if you're really praying to the people around you? Oh yeah, he knows that for sure. And so you act like you're you're talking to him when in reality you're just talking to the people around you. And, And we catch ourselves doing that sometimes. I've heard people praying and saying, Lord, I pray that so and so... Would, would, would accept the Lord as a Savior and say, wait a minute, aren't you talking to the Lord? Right? Or are you just talking to the people around you? And you have to be very careful about that. Uh, look at verse 6 goes on, on the same idea. Verse 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I don't think that what Jesus is saying here is that we, sh- we should never pray in, in public or that it's wrong to pray in public because there are just too many positive examples in scriptures of public prayers uh, that, were, that were great. However, I do believe that what Jesus was saying here is that if you want to learn how to pray then start in private um, don't, don't pray for show. Don't pray so that you can get the, the, the learn to pray in, in private. And so Jesus recognized that the, that the disciples are struggling with prayer and he's like, you specifically you, I want you to go into, into a secret place. Why? Because when you're in a secret place how important is eloquence in the way you're praying? When I go to my secret place and I'm praying to the Lord, it doesn't sound a whole lot different than the conversation I might have with a person except that that I recognize to whom I'm praying, right? And, and, and yet I don't try to think, what's a poetic way to say this? What's a poetic way to say that? Sometimes it's as simple as, God, I need you right now. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'm struggling today, yeah. or whatever it might be. And, uh, and so don't, don't pray in such a way. Don't pray for pub- the public attention. Don't pray for those things. God is more concerned with your relationship to him than he is with the popularity you have with those around you or how well they look up to you for your ability to pray. He continues in the negative, uh, you know, how not to pray in verses seven and eight. Let's read verses seven and eight. We read this, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So, uh, number two, for the, wh- how not to pray, I would say don't just repeat what you're supposed to say. Right? Here you say a lot of the common ideas and, of prayer in that day were, were something that you would repeat some kind of a prayer. You'd, and you have this memorized prayer, and so you pray that, but you're not actually talking. What you're doing is you're reciting a prayer. Right? In fact, you see that with multiple religions all around the world. In fact, I would say in every religion around the world that involves some kind of prayer, usually it's some kind of a recitation of a formulaic prayer, but it's not a conversation that you're actually having with the Creator. Does that make sense? And in fact, I've seen two abuses of this in, in churches. One would be when you pray someone else's prayers, you know, like the the, the Catholics, for example, uh, will have the, the rosary and, and you're, you're just repeating something. That was condemned by Jesus. This idea of just repeating some kind of prayer. Why? Because when you're re- repeating a prayer, how, how meaningful is that really for you? It's not. And uh, I would say many Protestants as well have come up with all sorts of prayers. Have you ever heard this one? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, how does it end? Yep, how many of you prayed that prayer before, right? It's a little freaky prayer when you think about it too. <laughs> but when you when you when you think about it, but what is it? It's a formulaic. It's praying someone else's prayer, someone has put that prayer, and then you can learn to do that and, and say that over and over and over again. And before we point too many fingers at at, at, at others, I, I think we tend to do it ourselves too, because the second abuse of this that I've seen a lot is repeating your own prayers but without meaning what you say. Let's be honest. How many of us have prayed something like this? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this food. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I've probably prayed that exact same prayer a thousand times in my life or more, right? And then I catch myself, sometimes I catch myself and say, was I really praying to God there? Or was I going through some type of ritualistic recitation of something because I'm just saying what I'm supposed to say? i'll be honest i've caught myself doing that before and it's not right jesus said, don't pray like that that's meaningless in a relationship with god that's meaningless i was supposed to be developing intimacy with the creator of the universe that's meaningless in fact i would say it even hurts the relationship imagine if i decided that i was going to express my gratitude to monica in that same way right my wife imagine if at the end of every day I walked up to Monica and said in a monotone voice, Dear Monica, thank you for being such a good mate. Thank you for preparing the food we just ate. Sorry we don't have time to go on a date. Amen. It's a good one. How do you think she would feel? I don't think I would survive the conversation. And I wouldn't deserve to survive the conversation, right? Why? Because that's not how you relate to people that you love. That's not how you relate to someone who loves you. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Right? So when we come to God and we say, Dear God, thank you for this day. What are we doing? We're insulting God. We're insulting that relationship with God. It's a horrible thing. And Jesus said, Don't pray like that. Don't fall into this rut in your relationship with God. So Jesus begins his instruction by telling me, these are the two things you've got to watch out. Make sure you're, you're not praying to the public. Make sure you're praying to God. And secondly, don't just make it some kind of formulaic prayer like all the other religions are doing. Remember who you're praying to. And then he turns to what you should do. How do you pray and how to pray. And he gives seven instructions in this next verse. And he does it by modeling the prayer for them. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Look at, uh, look at verse 9 of chapter 6. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, there's two things that come out of this, but one is we, can, we tend to overlook, and I want to make sure we, we catch this one too, but the first one is pray to the Father. Think about that. Pray to the Father. When Jesus said, this is how you pray, how did he begin his prayer? To the Father. So we pray to the Father. So don't, don't start your prayers, dear baby Jesus. Right? Don't, don't do that. It's, that's not who we're praying to. In fact, what we find in Scripture, we find that we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. But who do we pray to? According to Jesus, we pray to the Father. And we go directly to the Father of, of, of all things. He's the creator of all things. And we go to Him. But look back at verse 9. And I want to look at the second half of that verse. In this, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father... In heaven, hallowed be thy name. Think about that. In heaven, where's, where is God, when we're talking to Him? There's a, it's interesting. He is in heaven. He's in heaven. Where are we? We're right here. Where else is God right now? Here. It's right here. He's always with us. The, the, it's a weird thought to actually think about God being out there and of course his name is is hallowed his sacred that means that he he is he's different than all other things he's sacred and we have to keep him in that that sacred place and recognize who he is and why he's there i put it this way for the second the second insight on how to pray number 2 pause to remember <laughs> to whom you're praying think about it think about to whom you're praying The person you're talking with is not bound. His presence is not bound to this earth. His presence allows him to be in the farthest reaches of heavens and in your closet at the same time. I mean, that's huge. When you stop and think about that, that's huge. In fact, just yesterday... Um, I turned on the TV and put on a, a documentary on Jupiter. Yes, I'm a geek, I know. <laughs> I just put on, just to have something on in the background, it's this document of Jupiter, and I, and I overheard them say something about there's a thousand miles of storms between the surface of Jupiter and, and the outer part of their atmosphere. A thousand miles of in its constant storm. And I'm thinking, you know what, God, God's there. God knows what's going on in every inch of that storm. And yet, when I call out to him, he comes straight to where I am and listens to what I have to say. I don't know about you, but that, that gets my heart. My Father, who's in heaven. When I think about that, I can't believe it. Hallowed be your name. Boy, you are sacred. There is nothing like you. And just, we pause to remember Who is willing to come into our presence? He's he's organizing the entire universe. And when I pray, he comes and listens. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Is it because I deserve it? No. Is it because I'm a great person? No. It has nothing to do with that. It's because God loves me. his son. And when his son is calling on him, he drops what he's doing, and he comes and listens. I'm a dad, too, so I, I get I get it. If one of my kids was in need and they started crying help, I wouldn't say, excuse me, no, I'll be there in a minute. I'm doing something. If, they were, if I heard them scream and they were in trouble, I'd be right there, right? And that's, that's the way our Father in heaven is. Pause to remember to whom you're praying. Why is this important? I think it's important because we're, we... We, we're tapping into a power that is so much bigger than us. And it gives us some perspective. Because I, I go into prayer time sometimes, and, and I feel overwhelmed by, and burdened by some, some major requests. And, uh, and I, I go to the Lord, and, and when, I, when I take a moment and I reflect on who he is, guess what happens to my problems? They seem a lot smaller doesn't matter how big the problem is. It could be a life and death situation. But then I see how big God is, and I remember how big God is, and I remember that even life and death is a small thing in comparison to eternity, right? And I look at this, and, I, and we pause, and it gives us perspective of, uh, and, and that changes the way we pray. Look at verse 10. As we continue on, we read this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So number three, I would say, pray for God's will above your own. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you remember back in Revelation chapter 11? It wasn't that long ago that we were studying Revelation 11. Back in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, we're talking about the end of time. And when we get to the end and, and when things are finally, sin is atoned for and it is paid for and, and it's and punished and, and things are going well. We read about this in verse 15 of chapter of, of chapter 11. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. How, you looking forward to that day? I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that day. But what do you find? You find the kingdoms of this world, so all of the kingdoms that are going to be on the planet at that time as well as the kingdoms of the Lord and his Christ uh, will be the one and the same thing. In other words, just as God's will is done in heaven, now God's will is going to be done during this period of time on earth as well when Jesus is reigning. In context, you might remember when we talked about what does that mean. We talked about how in heaven everyone was worshiping God. In heaven, there was a unity amongst God's people. And in heaven, all of God's people were, were responded with a heart of gratitude. And, and you see, that's what heaven's going to be like. And then you come to earth and it's not like that. God's will is not being done. It is not God's will for a person to enter a Walmart and start shooting people at random. Yeah. That is not God's will. Why do we suffer on earth? It's because God's will is not being done on earth. Now there's a sense in which nothing escapes what God, what, what, what God allows, but there's a, there's a sense in which people choose volitionally to do the things that they know or don't know, but they, that, that, to do the things that are against the will of God. God says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He gave us the ability to procreate life. To go in and shoot people is the exact opposite of that. That's right. Why is the earth suffering like it's suffering? It's because people are not doing the will of God. So what do we do? We pray for that end. We ought to be praying, Lord, may your will be done on earth, just like it's done in heaven. And that's what we pray for. And when, when we're going to see that all around us, and we're going to find things going on around us that are not very heavenly, are very earthly. And we can be praying for those things. That's what we should be praying for. And not just praying for, for personal things, praying for selfish things. We ought to be praying that people would start living up to, up to the will of God. Mm-hmm. Imagine how different the world would be if we all decided to live according to God's will, it would be heaven on earth. Verse 11, Jesus continues to teach him and he says, Give us this day our daily bread. Where well, there's a lot there. I, I put it this way, I worded it for number four don't pray for wealth, pray for enough. Don't pray for wealth, pray for enough. What I mean by that is is Jesus said, pray for your daily bread. Don't pray that you'd have enough forever. You know, wealth, it means more, you have more than what you need. Wealth is, is everything that you have beyond what you need is considered wealth. And don't pray. For, Jesus never taught for you to pray to be rich, which is why it kills me to find that there are more Christians who pray for, to win the lottery than they pray to win the lost. That blows my mind. But don't pray for wealth, pray for enough. Give us this day our daily bread. I will tell you right, right up front, and be, I want to be very clear about this, the prosperity gospel, that idea that God says, if you accept me, I'm going to give you great wealth physically, you know, physical wealth. That is a farce. So right. It is a lie. You can fill stadiums and call it a church if you want, but you have stadiums full of people who are insulting God. I'll tell you one thing right now. God does not need to buy friends. Mm-hmm. He does not need to buy worshipers. <laughs> he is already deserving of it. Amen. He is a good and gracious God. Yeah, amen. And we love him because of who he is. He does not need to buy us. And you know what? He does not owe me one cent more than what I need to survive. He doesn't owe me what I need to survive. He does it out of love. And everything then that we get above what we, what we need for that day is something that we could just praise the Lord for. Thank you. Right? But when we start to get into this entitled mentality of, oh, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I deserve all this. No, we have our rewards coming for us. He never promised us our rewards right here and now. Amen? Yep. So the prosperity gospel is a farce. So what do we do? We pray for enough. Enough for what? For today pray for enough for today. Do you remember when Jesus or when when God in the Old Testament was teaching the Israelites this same thing? But keep your finger here in Matthew 6. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 16. And in Exodus chapter 16, they've left it, they've left Egypt. They're wandering in the wilderness and they're complaining. Right? They're, they're complaining. but we're hungry. Why couldn't we have just stayed in Egypt and been slaves? Where we could we were starving there too. But hey, at least uh, at least we had enough. And so they're they're complaining and, and God says, no, all you have to do is come to me pray and I would provide it. So he's teaching them this, this very important lesson. Look at verse 4 and 5 of chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they, shall prepare, uh, that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So they would have this daily quota of bread, and God would rain this bread from heaven, showing that, it, that the, the, the source of all of their provision is God himself. I don't know about you, but I've never seen bread rain from heaven. This was a special act of God, where God just provided what they needed to survive. But what was the instruction that he gave them? He said, I want you to collect just enough for how long? Daily. For today. The only exception would be on the sixth day. Because what are you not <laughs> supposed to do on the seventh day? Work. Work. So he says, on the sixth day, you can get enough for two days. All other days, get enough for one day. Why did he do that? To teach them to trust in Him. Yes. See, as human beings, especially even as American human beings, if I could say this, we have this tendency to feel like we have to, to plan and prepare for everything in the future. And there's nothing wrong with being wise as we plan for the future. But guess what? That could go away. Yep. I have a friend who lives in Ecuador. He had, he had prepared for his future and he had become what would be equivalent to a millionaire and he, he was—I mean, he had prepared for his future. He was a godly man. He had worked hard. He had, and God had blessed him. And and so he decided at one point to switch from one type of, of, of occupation to another type of occupation. So there was those few days where all of your money was in the in the bank. And then the government comes in and says, "We're broke. So you can keep all the money you have, except what money is in the bank. All money in the bank now belongs to us." He lost it all. But to him, it was, well, I didn't make that money to prepare for my future. I was just doing that to be wise. God's preparing for my future. What a great attitude. What a great attitude. And the Lord's blessed him since, and he's doing all right. He's not as rich as he used to be, especially because now he's a pastor. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. But God's blessing him in ways, and, and everything he needs is taken care of, and... And we said, this, this is what God was saying to them. Just take enough for today and trust me for tomorrow. I'll take care of tomorrow. And, and you don't have to worry about that. And they were to gather just enough. Not all of them obeyed, if you know the story, right? Some of them didn't trust that God was going to continue to provide, so, so they, they continued to eat. In fact, if you skip down verse 20 of that same chapter, we read this. Notwithstanding... They did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning. And what happened to it? It bred worms and stank. All of the wealth that they acquired beyond what God had allotted to them bred worms and stank. You could preach a whole message on that. And when we start working for something beyond what God has allotted to us, that's a problem. Don't pray. For, don't pray to be rich. I know a lot of miserable rich people. If, pray for enough for today. If God makes you rich and that's not what you've been praying for, then enjoy it and use it and invest it. You can, you can do a lot of great things with it. It's not a sin to be rich. It's a sin to desire to be rich. Does that make sense? And so, uh, so keep that. And pray for your daily bread. And that way, if you lose it all, it's not the end of the world. Hey, as long as you're, as long as, like my friend say, as long as you're doing what God has, has called you to do, you can know he's going to continue. He's going to continue to provide on a daily basis what a blessing that is. Let's continue back in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 12. Let's read that. We read, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You might remember two weeks ago when we were talking about Uh, why uh, our prayers are not being answered. And remember some of the seven things that we came up with. One of them was that you're being disobedient, right? So uh, sometimes our prayers are being hindered because we have sin. That's unconfessed, unconfessed sin. We also, number two, you'll, you'll remember was you have unsettled business with a brother. Sometimes there are unresolved conflicts that become obstacles to our prayer life. What we find when we look at at this command, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, is that he was taking care of both of those things. Because if we're asking God to forgive us our debts, what are we doing? We're removing the obstacle of being disobedient. When we say, Lord, we've been disobedient, we confess our sins, what happens? He forgives us of those sins. We remove that obstacle in our prayer life by asking God to forgive us of our debts, forgive us for our sins but then he attaches it to this idea, as we forgive our debtors, which then removes the other obstacle of when we have unsettled business with a brother, when if we're not forgiving our brothers, then that becomes an obstacle. And so by forgiving us, asking to forgive God to forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors, is removing those obstacles so that we can have a powerful prayer life. Make sense? And so we look at that, and, and I put it this way. Number five, I put pray for proportionate forgiveness. What I mean by proportionate forgiveness is that we are to, to pray that God will forgive us in the same way that we forgive other people. Well, I'll tell you what. When you start praying that, you're gonna start forgiving other people. Because if you hold a grudge against a brother, and you're saying, Lord, I, I am refusing to forgive my brother in Christ. Or am I forgiving? so this person in my forg- I've refused to forgive them the debts because they did something really bad to me. And then we stop and realize, now we've offended God. Now, God, I want you to forgive me. That seems, it seems so hypocritical. We, we stop dead in our tracks and say, oh, man, I have some business I need to take care of. I, I have some people I need to go forgive. Right? You remember the parable that Jesus taught about the man who, who owed a debt to another man? And it was a small debt. But that other man also owed a huge debt to an to a, a even greater master. And so that greater master says, I forgive you this entire, this huge debt. Oh, thank you. And then he goes back to the other guy and says, you still owe me. Oh, you can't pay me? And he sends him to debtor's prison. Then what happens? The greater master comes back and says, well, then I'm calling in my debts instead. Oh, well, guess what? That's the way it works. We're, we, we can only ask for proportionate forgiveness in that sense. Now I'm not talking about forgiveness in the sense of, of, of salvation. Once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven in that sense. Our status with God. But in our relationship with God, those sins still become obstacles in our prayers. They become obstacles in the way we relate to our, to our God. We need to start forgiving each other so that we can pray without obstacles. Does that make sense? Yes. Let me follow that. Idea. Let's, uh, let's continue on uh, in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I find it interesting here that we see that, that there's going to be, when you become a prayer warrior, there's going to be resistance, spiritual resistance. In this case, it's the evil one. Who's that? It's Satan. Satan and his demons are going to do everything in their power to trip you up if you start praying. In fact, I know this might not be a great advertisement for our 40 days of prayer, but if you choose to participate, you're going you're to be fighting some demons through this. You're going to feel some demonic oppression through this, and it's just the reality of, of the way it is. But God's going to equip you with everything you need to win. He's going to equip you with everything you need to win. Number six, pray for wisdom to navigate through our temptations. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, evil, from the evil one. And so Satan's going to do whatever he can. I'll tell you what, we live, that's one of the things about living in, in, a, in an affluent culture like the United States, is that there are temptations everywhere. It becomes very difficult to navigate through, through life without falling into temptations. Have you ever tried to navigate through something? I I like caving. So to me, uh, caving is what comes to my mind. I've done some caving, and not not the kind of caving where you walk through this big tunnel and you carry a lantern. I'm talking caving where you have these little squeezes and you want to get from here to there and and you have to like exhale, move another inch, inhale, exhale, try to move another inch. You're navigating through, and it becomes very difficult, right? I feel like sometimes that's how we have to navigate through life because It's difficult to navigate through life when there are all these temptations, whether it's temptation to find whatever sin you're weak in, and, 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 and Satan is constantly looking for your sins to say, all right, how can I trip up this person? Well, I don't want this person to become a prayer warrior. Um, oh, what, what's, what's going on? It's like, oh, he's got laziness? Okay, let's use that as a temptation. Oh, this person's got lust. Okay, let's use that as a temptation. Oh, this person's got this sin or that sin or this, whatever sin it might be, dishonesty. Let's tap into that and let's start putting temptations in their way. So we need to pray. Lord, lead us through this. We're, we're sheep. We don't have the big picture. We need the shepherd. We need the shepherd. And guess what? If you follow the shepherd, you're going to be all right. Right? If you follow the shepherd, you're going you're to be all right. And, and David talked about that as well in, in the 23rd Psalm. The idea of follow the sheep, following the shepherd. And, let, and You follow the shepherd and you'll be all right. Pray for wisdom to navigate through temptations. Because you're going to be tempted to sin every day. The second uh, half of that verse, or if you look at verse 13, "For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever." Amen. I would close this part, this portion of our service off by saying, saying this: "End where you began with praise." Notice how Jesus began with recognizing who who God is and saying, our Father in heaven and hallowed be your name. And he ends by saying, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And when you stop and realize who God is, where he is, we're human beings, so we forget things. We need some repetition. We need to be reminded of things. So, So remind yourself who you're praying to. Remind yourself who God is. Consider his kingdom. Consider his power Consider his glory when you're praying. By way of, of invitation today, I'm going to ask you to, to join in 40 days of prayer. 40 days of prayer. On the way out, in and, and just a few moments, uh, our, our ushers are going to have some, uh, some prayer guides, and they look, they look like this on the front. It says prayer guide on the front. You can put your name on there if you like. There, so it gives the dates starting today, from August 4th to September 12th, on the front there. And uh, what's uh, I want to walk you through it a little bit so that we know how to do this. So, so, this is the inside. On the left hand, the left panel there, we see some of these daily prayers. So when you pray, just this is just a simple acrostic to help you remember. Uh, how to pray. And then we have the Lord's Prayer, what we just went through today, written right there at the bottom as well. So we're going to begin with praise. Right? We're going to begin with praise. Every time we pray together, we're going to begin with simple praise. We're going to begin your time praising God for His faithfulness in your life, praise Him for your salvation, and for any specific ways He's blessed you in the last 24 hours. And if you get stuck, start thanking Him for the things that He does every day that you take for granted. Then then requests. When you take your requests, you will take any personal requests that you may have to the Lord and make sure that your requests are aligned with God's desire and his design for your life and godliness. Don't ask out of selfishness as we learned about two weeks ago, but ask for God's will to be done above all as we talked about today. After all, his will will always be better than what we have ever could have imagined. I would say for the A, hey, ask for forgiveness. As you talk with God, ask him to bring to your attention any sins that may be in your life. You know what, you might go through these 40 days and recognize, boy, I didn't realize how bad of a person I was 40 days ago. Have you ever started a diet or an exercise regime and you thought, you, you look back 40 days and you look at the picture and say, wow, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't realize how out of shape I was 40 days ago, Right? That's how you might feel spiritually as well. And, and so ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you of those sins and, and leave it there. Don't wallow in self-guilt, right? Just bask in God's mercy as God forgives you. And then the why, yield yourself to God. Jesus, uh, Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember that from two weeks ago. Pray that God would give you a desire for righteousness. Pray that you would not be tempted by anything, uh, that was intended to set you off course. Why? Because we need to pray that God would deliver us from temptation and uh, deliver you from evil and keep you on the course towards holiness. And that would be a way to start every prayer. Start every prayer every day. Go, so every day for 40 days, I want you to pray through those things. I'm going ask you to pray through those things. Then what we have is what we call weekly prayers. If you look at the right panel... Inside, inside the prayer guides We have something for each day So each day of the week We're going to pray for something specific So on Sundays We're going to pray for the church Pray for each other So we're going to pray for your pastors I covet those prayers by the way This is one of my favorite things I think Every Sunday If I could have 300 and some people Praying for me Wow That would be awesome what a, what a gift Pray for your deacons Pray for your teachers Pray for your kids teachers Pray for your connection group leaders Pray for the worship team And anyone else that has a a spiritual input into your life, start praying for those people. On Monday we're going to pray for our country. Even though our country doesn't need it since we're all doing so great in our country. There's no political unrest and everyone just seems united. (laughs) And of course I'm speaking facetiously there. Our country needs your prayers. Pray for our country. Spend, Spend your Mondays praying for our president. Pray for our legislators. Pray that they would make laws that are consistent with biblically moral, or with biblical morality. Pray for spiritual revival in our country. Pray for judges and local leaders to do what's right. Our governor. I pray, pray for those people to do what is right. Pray for their salvation in most cases. On Tuesday, we're going to pray for our missionaries. We support a lot of missionaries here. And so I would ask you to maybe take one or two of the missionary uh, prayer cards from the back. Or, or take the missionary of the week. Uh, and and it's, on our, it's on the prayer sheets that we have out there. Grab those. Pray for our missionaries. Pray that God would protect them, that God would encourage them, that God would bless their efforts as, as they go out and take the gospel. On Wednesday, pray for your, your family. Pray for your own personal family. How many of you have members of your family that are not walking with God? There's a mission field represented right here. Pray for them. Pray for them by name and and pray for the, for the spiritual and the physical needs of, of family members. On Thursdays, pray for the unsaved. Some of these might overlap. You might be praying on Wednesday for some unsaved family members. But here on Thursday, think of unsaved people. Try to think of specific people in your sphere of influence that do not yet know Christ. How many people work with people who do not know Christ in this room? There's another mission field right there. Be praying for them. Fridays, pray for the unhealthy, yeah, for the physical needs of people. We have a lot of people in, uh, that have physical needs. If you look at our prayer sheet that we have out here, in fact, we might have to start printing some more of those in the next 40 days. That would be awesome. That would be well worth it. Pray for the unhealthy. We have people that are struggling with sicknesses, and we have people that are struggling with, with all sorts of physical things, and they need your prayers. We could be praying for them. And then on Saturday, pray for Revival. Pray for revival. Pray that the Holy Spirit would move in the hearts of our fellow countrymen, of our fellow church congregants. Pray that there would be an outpouring of God's grace, that many would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is what I'm asking for us to do. I'm, I pray our daily prayers, and then our bi-weekly prayer. We we'll pray for each of those things throughout the week. And then on the back, I would ask you to have some personal requests. Ask God to lay one to three specific requests on your heart. If you come up with four or five, I don't think that it's breaking any rules. But come up with at least one to three things that you're going to pray for every day. And remember the story of Bob from two weeks ago? How he just took one thing and he was praying for that over and over and over again and what God did there. I want to hear some of those stories of what God's doing when you're praying, when you're praying for these things. And, and then I, I close with some inspiring verses of prayer. So each day, you'd walk through the daily prayer, the weekly prayer, and then your special prayer requests. And pray for those things for 40 days. Now, I do want to track some of this a little bit. So here's what I like to do. If, if you go to Facebook, um, if you don't have a Facebook account, then, then maybe a spouse does or someone does, but... This is one way um, to at least c- reconnect if you have that capability. But our Facebook uh, page looks like this. So you, you just search for Heritage Baptist Church. And if it, if it doesn't have this picture or that logo, then you're on the wrong site. Okay? So keep looking. Look for that one. And you can come here. And we're actually going to have one person uh, pray, one person from the church pray every day for the things that we're praying for that day. Um, that will be available there, and you can you can pray. I would also throw out just a, a there's a an app. I think it's available for Android as well as Apple's uh, uh, or Apple stuff. Would be it's called Prayer Mate, and you can actually set it up to where it will it will be it will remind you at a whatever time you want a day or multiple times throughout the day if you'd like to pray. And it just it's a it's just a simple thing that will will remind you to pray. But if you come here, we'll have an opportunity for you to. Uh, uh, to see the prayer and pray together as, as a congregation. Does that make sense? We could do that. Also, post. Post on there. Say, you know what, this is what I've been praying for, and this is how God has answered. And if there's an answer to prayer, then put that on there. Or if someone has a prayer request saying, hey, it's unhealthy day, and here's what's going on in my life. Post it on there, and we can pray for each other right there as well. This is just another way for us to connect with each other so that we can pray communally with God together. So by way of invitation today, I'm not gonna ask anyone to, to come forward. I'm not gonna ask anyone to, uh, uh, to do anything special uh, up here. What I'm asking you to do is something that you'll do once you leave here. And on the way out, our ushers will have uh, the, uh, the prayer guides. And your, by the way, your way of coming forward this week would be to walk back and as, on your way out, grab one of those, those prayer guides. And I don't want you to grab it unless you, mean, unless you mean business. Say, I'm going to take the next 40 days and I'm going to pray every day through this prayer guide. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment?